This is Jimmy Burns from Melbourne, Ohio, and you're listening to Barbecue Central. Happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show. Boing. We cook because we have to, and we grill because we want to. Hit me. Fine. How's it going? You have a great show. I'm a big fan. Boing. So what, what, what seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead, and he's in the, in the crackle. Charbono. It's all about the Charbono, dude. Succulent fish. What? We ate two feet for wieners. So listen, Laverne, it's chicken feet. I'm shaking like a dog shit peach seed. <laughs> we have top men working on it right now. <laughs> top men. Just like that, we are into the second hour. Welcome aboard. Top men in the industry right here. Soon to be joined by top women. In fact, still to come on the show this evening, Sandy Brown from Stress Relief Barbecue. We reload her from last week as we hurdled as best we could through some technical issues. But we are already view your March Google Pay transaction statement. I have not paid anything. Play pay. What? Your phone calls and emails if you want to jump in, 216-220-0966 that I mentioned in the top of the first hour if you're just joining in live now. If you won wing dust last week, the Cosmos Q wing dust, that is going in the mail tomorrow. Last week, I did a quick reload of the show to make sure that it was uploaded in the podcast feed. And then Thursday, we were off and running to St. Louis driving for a volleyball tournament, the Mideast Qualifier. How did that go? Not great. Not great. I'll talk about driving back from there in just a moment. Don't forget, you can follow me socially at BBQ Central Show on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Snapchat slash BBQ Central Show on Facebook and Twitch for video feeds and additional video feed numbering three slash RD Rempe on YouTube. Coming up on the best moments of the Barbecue Central show in 10 minutes or less this coming Friday, episode 170, taking you back to March 31st, 2015. That is six years ago, if you can believe it. At that point, Bob Trudnack from the Barbecue Guru had partnered with a company called Bespoke Bacon, and I had both Bob from the Barbecue Guru and a gentleman by the name of Brian Cohen from Bespoke Both of them were on to talk about this whole new crazy concept and partnership where the Barbecue Guru and Alpha Rub and Bespoke Bacon joined together to do a, as the kids say, collab and made, I think it was Alpha Bacon from Bespoke or the Bespoke Alpha Bacon. Bacon. So we learned all about how that came together, what the process was like going from start to finish. And what it was like to get a finished product that both sides felt good about. Because that's what's most important when doing some type of a collaboration. Is that there's at least two sides. Both sides have to be happy to let something go to market. One side isn't going to be like, eh, it's okay. The other side's like, this is great. It's got to benefit both to the same level. And that's why you do it. That's why you partner. That's why you collab. So you can hear all about it. Now, I did a little research, and I can sit here and tell you that while Bespoke Bacon isn't necessarily the way you can find it now, Bespoke Bacon Jam is indeed Bespoke Bacon. If you go onto that website, you go to shop or whatever the hell it is, there's Bacon Jam, but then there's also still a number of options for bacon. I didn't see the Alpha Bacon there. I don't know if I should read anything into that. But again, this was six years ago, so Bob was always looking to do the next partnership or the next mashup or the next collaboration. He's continually brought out rubs and sauces and jerkies and seasonings. So it's not just barbecue guru for him. It's also other products as well that he has continued to refine over the years. So I'm sure you will enjoy that. Don't forget if you want to hear a guest 
or segment again that you've heard on the show once already, lost in the archives somewhere, go ahead and send my executive producer of the Barbecue Central show in 10 minutes or less, the best moments of the Barbecue Central show in 10 minutes or less. John Solberg, an email, J-O-N at the BBQ Central Show dot com, and he will do his best to meet your expectations. Now, here's a great question coming in that I wasn't anticipating from Jim EQ. Greg, why do you wear your watch upside down? Jim, first of all, well done. Good eye. Good for you. Good for you. Let me tell you why. Because if I was wearing it right side up, you wouldn't be able to see it like this. Like if I'm, you know, showing it off, am I going to have an issue with this freaking thing again? Yeah. If I had it on my wrist the right way, this would all be upside down. You wouldn't be able to get the full concept of how this watch is, right? This Vortec watch, this used to be a pocket watch. And now it's a wristwatch. But if I had it on the right way, then, you know, the 12 would be where the 6 is. It would look foolish. No Names Please said, hey, have you ever thought about wearing your watch upside down on the show so it looks right on the camera? And I said, you know what? I never thought about it like that, but it makes perfect sense to me. It, you know, here's some things that I love character-wise about this watch. First of all, I love the gold uh, dial. And then over in between the two and the three, you can see that there's some imperfections there. Like through time, this watch is you know, originally probably 80, 90 years old. So they went ahead and did the whole manufacturing of this watch. And um, now it is a wrist watch. So, Jim, hopefully that answers your questions. I, I wear it upside down. As soon as I get off the show because my OCD kicks in, I immediately reverse it. But that way you can see it. You can see it normally. Um, I would see it upside down. Make sense? Hope that helps. And look for episode 170 in your podcast feed. One of the things that I wanted to mention is this. I don't know what it is, but driving back from St. Louis, as I had mentioned, we were over there for a, a national qualifying tournament that didn't work out very well. We played Friday, we played Saturday, we played Sunday very quickly on Sunday, and we were headed back home. It appears that people in Missouri, we also spent a decent amount of time in Illinois before we made it into Indiana and then eventually into Ohio, but Missouri and Illinois have an incredibly bad habit of driving in the left-hand lane. Look, I say this with peace and love. Peace and love. Peace and love. In fact, while I say it with peace and love, I'm warning you. I'm warning you with peace and I love. I am warning you. If you are a driver and you are not more than seven months out of getting your license, I am warning you with peace and love. I'm warning you with peace and love. You can't drive in the left-hand lane or as in the trucker talk, the hammer lane. The left-hand lane is for passing, is for vehicles going at a high rate of speed. You need to be on your game when you're driving on the highway. I tell my kids, you know, I pounded into them. I pounded into them from day one. 16 years old, uh, or whenever you get that learner's permit, we're going right out on the highway. We're learning the facts of the matter when it comes to highway driving. There should be very few instances other than emergencies or something that you just didn't pay attention to for whatever reason that you have to get on the brakes on the highway. Otherwise, there's hardly any reason that you need to use brakes on the highway. You should be able to see everything ahead of you and make your speed adjustments is necessary to keep proper following distance. You should always be looking behind you to see what's coming up on the 6th. Also, in blind spots, always turning, not just using your side mirrors because there's blind spots. Teaching them all the right things. The thing that I double down on the most, regardless of how many lanes. I mean, in here in Cleveland, there's plenty of times where you're in five and six lane highways in either direction. You don't hang out in the left-hand lane. You get around somebody, 
soon as you're clear to pull back, if you're not just overtaking cars at a rapid rate and you can just stay in the left-hand lane like that, fine. But holy crap, these people in Missouri are just lounging about in the left-hand lane. It's like Kramer went out from Seinfeld and drew those extra long lines. They don't care. 65 miles an hour in the left-hand lane. By the way, speed, posted speed in Missouri and Illinois is a mere suggestion. I was doing 85 and 90 miles an hour all the way back through uh, Ohio even. But you can't do 65 in the left-hand lane when there's nobody ahead of you for miles. Move it on over. That really chapped my ass, as it were, coming back home. I just, I can't, as somebody who tries to teach the youth of America the proper ways of highway driving, I can't have 50, I'm not kidding, 50 or 60 cars that I passed. And in the beginning, I'm like, oh, there must be somebody ahead. Well, after the fourth car, I immediately started to just kind of leer over into the center to look around. There's nobody there. There's nobody there. Move it over, asshole. We're coming through at 85 and 90 a clip. It's my version of the highway over in Europe, the Autobahn. That's right. Just if you're headed that way, be prepared to go around, pass on the right side. I don't even like doing that too much. I will. I'll even bonus lane somebody if they're being that much of an asshole. But just move over. Make it easier for everybody else. Before we get to Sandy Brown, I'll talk to you quickly about Green Mountain Grills. That's right. Some of the best pillow cookers out there on the market today. A couple different lines to choose from. A choice line and a prime line. Now, if you aren't necessarily into the whole tech situation, you want to save a couple bucks, choice line will do you just perfectly. You can have a big cooker like the Jimbo. You can have medium size like the Daniel Boone. Both now are 12-volt technology as well. Now, if you want to spend a couple extra bucks because you want app capability, you want Wi-Fi capability, you want internal meat probes, you want to be able to look inside the pellet hopper through that peek-in window, also into the cooking chamber, then you want the Prime Line. A little bit more of a robust build. A robust build, I mean. Robust or robust. Also, two internal meat probes. Now, if you really want to step it up, you go Prime Plus. You actually get headlamps in the cooking chamber. So if you're cooking at night, turn on the headlamps. See everything just like it was daylight. It's up to you. Jim Bowie, Daniel Boone are the same volume of size in either line. Both lines will accommodate the pizza oven insert that I tell you about each and every week. But it's up to you. If you don't want the app accessibility, you don't want the internal meat probes and all that stuff, fine. Just get the choice line. I have two. They're wonderful. I also have a Prime, Daniel Boone. It's wonderful. All of them are great. They sell through a dealer network, so you have to do that. GreenMountainGrills.com. Find a dealer near you. Go check them out. They have a host of other accessories as well to complete that Green Mountain Grill experience. Again, that's GreenMountainGrills.com. And we are back with Sandy Brown from Stress Relief Barbecue. Right after this, stick around. We'll be right back. You're listening to the number one most downloaded barbecue and grilling podcast anywhere. The Barbecue Central Show. Howard Stern, Jim Rome, Dan Patrick, and Greg Rampey. The Mountain Rushmore of talk show entertainment. Now, let's get back to the Barbecue Central Show. And this portion being brought to you by Pit Barrel Cooker. The most unbelievable outdoor cooking device on the planet. Currently available in two sizes with a host of accessories. Whether you're a beginner or professional, definitely a cooker you want to add to the arsenal. Visit pitbarrelcooker.com and tell them that the Barbecue Central Show sent you. Wally Inskeep is asking bonus lane. Yeah, that's uh, called the shoulder. Now, back when I was a youngster, we used to bonus lane people when we were really impatient. But only if it was, you know, only if the bonus lanes were free. Otherwise, you were asking for certain death. My first guest in the second hour is the 2020 SCA Points Champ. We tried it last week, had some 
technical hurdles that we you know overcame pretty well but i wanted to make sure that we had enough time to get through the rest of the stuff that i wanted to ask her about so we're going to give it another whack we tested earlier today without trouble which can only mean there will be momentous trouble here shortly but let's go ahead and hit the hotline anyway and welcome back friend of the show sandy brown hey sandy Hey, Greg, how are you? I am fine. You sound great, just like you did last week. So fingers crossed, toes crossed, and praying to baby Jesus that this all works out. Let me go ahead and attempt to give a recap of what we covered last week in a succinct sense. Jersey girl originally, currently living in Rockford, Illinois, works in IT for a Cleveland-based company, started competing in barbecue in 2017, quickly converted to the SEA a year later, back-to-back female cooker of the year, 2019-2020, traveled damn near 100,000 miles over the past two years, done well over 150 competitions the past two years. The SEA points champ for 2020. How did I do? You did really good. <laughs> Took a lot <laughs> There's of There's a lot of stats. Notes. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it's uh, very impressive. So in 2019, you ended up, Seventh overall in team of the year points chase. It's a pretty impressive jump to go from seventh the year before to top of the heap this past year. So I'm interested to know if there was something particular or two things particular that you work on, let's call it in between seasons, that you feel not only helped you take it to the next level right out of the gate, but also helped you find a a level of consistency. There were a couple of things. We started the 2020 season knowing we were going to chase points. Um, that was kind of a, a goal we had. We chased, um, we cooked a lot actually in 2019 with the points champion, Matt Overson. So we saw, you know, kind of what it took every week in and out. Um, so we started the, the season knowing we were going to chase, we as in my husband and I. Um, and we did some practicing and, and played with our taste profiles. And during the COVID break, we actually made a major change. We changed what grills we cooked on. Um, we were cooking on uh, a PK grill, and we were actually both cooking on the same grill that's allowed in SCA, two of us cooking on one grill, not at the same time. The right. steaks have to be on different times. But we made the change to M grills. Um, they're handcrafted grills out of Texas. Um, I cook on an M16 I name all my grills. Um, so my M16 is named Tex because he's from Texas and he puts the soul um, in the steaks. And that was a big change um, to change a grill kind of, you know, in, in the middle of a season because we had already started the 2020 season when we had the COVID break and we decided to go with M grills and uh, Travis McGee approached us and we had seen them before and really liked the craftsmanship of, of the grill the color, the um, fire management. And that I think was a big game changer um, for us and gave us a lot of consistency, making sure we got our grills to the right temp all the time, whether it was really cold cooking in Wisconsin or really hot cooking in Texas. Um, That was a big um, component of our win um, is, is cooking on those end grills with the, for the consistency we also um, changed our flavor profile a little bit for 2020. We were um, using Johnny Joseph Steak Rub. Johnny Joseph is a three-time um, points champion for SCA. I, I kind of say he was a, a myth, the legend, um, became one of our mentors and is now one of our dearest friends. Um, so we use his Steak Rub. Uh, we also use the Beef Punisher, which is what we um, were using from... Um, actually back to from our barbecue days from barbecuesuperstore.com. <laughs> and then we were using Boar's Night Out White Lightning. That's kind of kind of what our combination was. Um, we were lucky enough to um, test out, out, see White Lightning. Sandy, you're not going to believe this. It just happened again. Unbelievable. I don't know what to say. I'm, I'm, I'm a guest. I'm a miss. How could this happen? Unbelievable. Do you have the uh, Do you have that call in number from the last time? All right, let's go. I luckily I have that ready to go as well. So go ahead and dive back in. How does this happen? Unbelievable. We'll get her back. 
We're going to do it. We're going to finish it out one way or another. We're going to do it via phone this time. And I'm trying to think where we were at time, because we did a whole nice, I don't know, 13, 14 minute uh, time trial, as I had said before. So to have this happen yet again is both, what did I say? We're only minutes away from impending doom. Of course. Unbelievable. Folks, you're going to have to give me a second. She's calling my cell phone and I will give her the right number to call. So just hang out. All right, Sandy's going to be calling in in just a moment. In fact, she's calling in right now. Sandy? Greg? Unbelievable. I mean, what are the chances? Did I did I overjinx it by saying you it's only a matter it. of time? Unbelievable. Yeah. I heard that yeah. noise, and I was like, you have to be kidding me. And then you quickly doubled up, and then, boom, you were gone again. So I don't know what to say about that, but... We're going to continue on via the phone, which evidently is the only way we're allowed to talk to each other on the show, and we'll work through it that way. So uh, let me – so we were talking about uh, your flavor profile and how you were using Beef Punisher from Barbecue Superstore, and uh, if you want to pick it back up from there. Sure. Um, We also are – a sponsor team by Boar's Night Out, uh, which is White Lightning. And we were one of the few fortunate teams that got actually to test out spicy White Lightning before it hit the public. Um, And that was a big uh, game changer to our flavor profile. And we really saw our case scores um, increase when we added that. And then late in the season, we introduced something called Midwest Dust, um, which will be coming out very shortly. Uh, we have to have fun with names, um, and it's it's a finishing dust, and uh, definitely we have seen a lot of uh, high taste scores using it. Um, actually, Alan and Eric, both from Boards Night Out, won last weekend and had the highest taste scores um, at their events using that Midwest dust. So um, those are some of the things that we really, it brought us to the next level um, for the 2020 season, um, the grill the seasoning, and then just even cooking every weekend is the consistency in and out every weekend. You're in that mode. Um, and you learn to deal with the variants, the weather, um, steaks, thick, thin, um, whatever it takes. You're starting to see a whole lot of it. So, Sandy, are you wearing a headset? Yes, I am. Your microphone is dancing over your shirt, I think. I have it stiffer. <laughs> So hold on. We'll see if that works. All right. Um, in regards to consistency, and I appreciate you laying out the, the flavor profiles that you're using. We'll, we'll get into those here again in a second to a certain degree. Do you actively keep a journal or some type of a cooking log that you go back and refer to each and every time? Because, you know, when I talk to the folks on the competition scene, and look, I get it. I mean, this is steak. It's not like you're doing four different uh, meats and, and, and everything's got its own flavor and cook time and all this other stuff. But do you keep a, a journal in order to go back through and say, okay, uh, it looks like it's this size steak this time compared to this one. And when I had something that looked like this, this is how it cooked. And you have a, a reference to go back to, or do you not worry about that as much with steak? I always talk about that. I'm going to keep a journal just like that. Um, and I do tell people they should, I will say I'm not very consistent at it myself. Um, but we do pay attention to what the weather's like, the humidity, um, size of steak, thickness of steak. That's really, um, 
a key factor. And that really will be, we would have to adjust our flip times um, depending on how thick the stakes are. Um, but I, we do recommend, you know, keeping a journal. My first season in, I did have a journal um, that I kept track of my flavor profile, um, weather, stakes, um, and then my scores um, and just kind of seeing um, the statistics behind them. Can I back up just for a second, Sandy, when we when you were talking about the grills that you used, you know, initially you said you started with the PK and you transferred over to the M grill uh, made down, down there in Texas in between seasons. Did you choose the PK initially because that seemed to be a pretty popular grill or that's what was being recommended or that's what was being used by folks that we were winning? How do you arrive at the PK grill initially and then why do you decide to make that change to the uh, to the M grill? Uh, we went with the PK because it was the most popular. Um, that's what I'm going to say the majority of cooks in the SCA were using. Um, it was kind of our introduction um, for it. Again, we were doing KCBS and doing SCA on Friday nights, so it was you know super portable um, for it. Um, great grill has a lot of history behind it. Um, and like I said, you know, we used it in the 2019 season, both Tim and I cooked on the same, on the same grill. Um, and then, but then we were kind of looking, knowing we were going to get a little bit more serious with the SDA and there's a lot of great grills out there. Um, and we had the opportunity to talk with Travis. It's a family owned business and really, uh, an SDA sponsor up and coming grill company. And, uh, we'd like we were able to really partner with him um, and his company. We get to meet the fabricators who actually made our grill, um, which is pretty awesome. Sandy Brown joining me here on the show from Stress Relief Barbecue. How do you cook on the same grill with your husband? How does that work? Uh, you have to. Um, time management is very important. <laughs> um do you have you to have like to uh, flip journal. cards or flip coins to decide who's going to go first and who's going to go second? Uh, no, um, but Tim typically went first. Um, he's usually an early person. Um, so he would always, in SCA, you have a half hour window to turn in. Um, so he would do his stake um, and, make, and turn it in kind of right when the window opened. Um, and then I would put my stake on and I would turn in and towards the latter half. Um, so he's been known that he might be the first person to turn a stake in and I might be the last person to turn the stake in. Um, and, and it's, we have spreadsheets that, you know, kind of gave our timelines. And at that point, if you have two people on a grill practice, um, it's very important. We have a practice stake and we would do that to just get our timing down of how long it was going to take. Um, and there were a couple of occasions that his stake might've taken longer than expected. And then my stake was kind of rushed. There were a number of times that I was kind of running towards turn in. Um, I've never missed a turn in yet. Um, came close, but um, have made it. Um, and now we cook on two separate grills. We each have our own um, M16. Um, but we still, he tends to go towards the beginning of the window and I still cook towards the end of the window. That's kind of, and every now and then we switch it up, but typically that's what we do. Marissa Overson was on the show a couple weeks ago and we painstakingly went through her steak process that she was so generous to share with us. Do you mind if we kind of hit your whole cook process from when you load in to when you turn it? Sure, not right. a problem. So let's go ahead and start in the beginning. As you are going to the, as I termed it, vaunted table of meat, uh, as I had mentioned before, you get a number and you go from one to whatever it is, and then you work backwards on the second time through. So as you're going through it, what are you looking for in a steak? Uh, Marissa was looking for tri-heart. Uh, she seems to favor the tri-heart, but what are you looking for specifically in a steak? Um, I also cook a tri-heart, so when Marissa's in front of me, a lot of times she'll take the steak I was eyeing. <laughs> um, but, 
So um, I'm looking for marble, marbling, a well-marbled steak, especially in the spinalis area. Um, and, and what a tri-heart is, is a um, cut of the, the ribeye that's closest to the chuck end. So it tends to be more tender. And if you look, you'll, they'll actually see three muscles. Yep. Um, and so that's typically what I look for. I look for a tri-heart. I look for a well-marbled um, steak. Um, I look for consistent and thickness. Um, they typically should be about one uh, inch and an eighth. Um, and I want it to be consistent and not a slanted cut. Um, I always flip the steaks over. Um, as a cook, you're not allowed to touch the steak, but you could ask for it to be flipped over. Um, want to see both sides, making sure there's not a gash in it um, or a weird fat line going through the center of the steak where it's going to be cut um, to check for doneness. Has that happened to you before? That there's been a slash or something in the steak? Like a big fat line? Like maybe you maybe you couldn't see it. Maybe it's some one of those things that's just hidden, you know, sub under the meat. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, crap, you know, I, I didn't even see that there. Yeah, I mean, there's occasion. The, the thing is, on the steak that you turn in, you don't even cut, so you're turning in a whole steak, so you're not even sure. Some, so there might be times that we actually really didn't know that it was there. That only the cutter did, and the judges. Um, but you start looking and and seeing, and that's one of the things. If you flip the steak over, you might not see the fat on one side, but it might be on the other. Um, uh, piece of it and just starting to look and, and recognize that kind of looks like it might be a harder fat or that might be a fat that's going to render and give, give flavor to the steak. So you get both steaks back to camp and uh, now there's going to be some kind of a trimming process. Are you what you would categorize as a big trimmer or do you let the steak kind of dictate what you're going to be doing? I'm probably a medium trimmer. Um, I try to keep a natural shape as much as possible. Um, 95% of the time, probably even more than that, I cut the tail off. Um, I did leave the tail on once, um, and I won. But the steak just, it called to me. It was I barely did any <laughs> trimming. It was just a really good, perfectly looking steak. And I'm like, it doesn't need anything. Um, but I, I do trim, you know, the, the hard fat away, um, any silver skin, especially in the spinalis section. That's where the judges are going to be cutting with their plastic knife. So we want to make sure that they, it's easy for them to cut. Um, so I, I, don't, I don't do round hockey pucks. Um, I try to leave it as natural shape as possible. Are you a roper slash pinner or both? Yeah, I do. I do uh, tie my my stakes, um, and I do pin them. Um, I am very consistent on how I pin. I always just use three pins. Um, just kind of, I, I put a pin on the top of my stake. I call it my true north pin, and that helps me with my angles of when I'm putting my stakes down on my grill grates to give me uh, the diamond shapes that I like. Um, and then I use two other pins to help keep the spinalis and the tri-hard and the loin together. And then I do tie them um, just to kind of keep the steak in the shape that I'm looking for. You had mentioned the rubs that you're using, so we won't go through those again, but how do you apply those? Do you use, you know, uh, the, the boar's net out first and then something else second? Like, how do you, how do you do that? I actually um, measure and mix my rubs together. Um, I don't do different layers. I, I mix them. Um, when we first started cooking, we were cooking outside in a pop-up tent, and it could be windy, it could be rainy, and I felt just by hand shaking it on and layering, you might not have that consistent and um, even layers. Um, so I have my ratio between all of my rubs, so I actually mix them together um, and then have the same shaker every week um, and using that to, to put them on my steak. Do you think it really makes any difference? I'm just asking for your speculation here. When you see uh, folks go this rub first because it's the base layer and if the judge takes this taste and it, you know as the rub melts through the, the tongue and this is what they're going to get last, you think that really happens or no? I think there's certain 
there's certain pieces of that. But again, when you think about steak, the judges are getting one bite. Um, and it's typically like the tip of your finger, right? It, it's a small bite. Um, and I really want the steak beef taste to come out and just have the flavors enhance it. Um, like I said, I have a finishing powder, that the Midwest dust that I use. I hit that heavy and I do hit it heavier on the backside of my steak because I do feel like that's what's going to hit the taste buds of the judges first. Sandy, can I uh, hold you over for uh, a read here and then we'll get through the rest of the cooking process and talk about some other things? Sure, absolutely. Right, stand by. We're talking with Sandy Brown via the phone because I ruined it again. But no problem. We're working through that. So I'll talk to you quickly about Big Papa Smokers and then we'll get back to more Sandy Brown from Stress Relief Barbecue. Head on over to Big Papa Smokers. The one-stop online shop for all things barbecue, a curated selection of only the best outdoor cooking and grilling supplies will get you on the path to better barbecue results in no time. Everything at Big Papa Smokers has been Pitmaster approved by Sterling Big Papa Ball himself. From the award-winning rubs and sauces to the American-made grills and smokers, Big Papa Smokers has something for every type of outdoor cook. They have the popular rubs. You know them all, right? Flavors like Sweet Money, Cattle Prod, Cash Cow, all proven winners on the competition circuit, as well as in the backyard. 13 perfectly balanced flavors, to be exact. They also have sauce, Granny's Barbecue Sauce, which they own. So if you're looking for a new go-to sauce that will please everybody, Granny's traditionally powerful flavors will remind you of why you fell in love with barbecue in the first place. You can find Granny's Barbecue Sauce and other top-rated sauces at BigPapaSmokers.com. And aside from the rubs and sauces, they're selling cookers and grills. Only the best at Big Papa Smokers. Are you looking for a versatile smoker that's easy to use? Check out that Mac 2-Star General Pellet Cooker. It's got a new refresh here recently. Big Papa Smokers, the exclusive Mac dealer, even offering special packages. If you're not a fan of pellet smokers, fine. Try the old Hickory Ace BP. It's the only charcoal smoker that Big Papa trusts on his competition trailer. If you're not sure of what grill you need, call. Ask questions. They're happy to help. 877-828-0727. That's 877-828-0727. It's clear the Big Papa Smokers is the place to go for all things barbecue. You can check them out at BigPapaSmokers.com. That's B-I-G-P-O-P-P-A Smokers.com. We are back with more Sandy Brown right after this. Stick around. You're listening to the number one most downloaded barbecue and grilling podcast anywhere. The Barbecue Central Show. Celebrating over 10 years of prolific and unparalleled live fire barbecue and grilling talk. And yes, it's still being done from Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. And yes, this portion is still brought to you by Smithfield.com and Smokin, S-M-O-K-I-N, Smokin with Smithfield.com. Go to Smithfield.com for great recipes during the grilling season from Chris Lilly, Darren Worth, Charles Cridlin. You can also monitor your first place wins and report them at smokinwithsmithfield.com when you're using the Smokin' with Smithfield fresh pork ribs and pork bun. Smithfield.com, smokinwithsmithfield.com, and we are rejoined by Sandy Brown from Stress Relief Barbecue. Sandy, thanks for hanging with me through the break here. So uh, we've talked about what you do from a prep before we get into Is there anything else that you do that's outside of the box or that we haven't talked about before you slam that thing down on the grill? Nope. Nope. That's kind of, kind of the process. All right. So we fire up the, as we know now know, M16 grill from Texas there by uh, Travis McGee. What fuel are you using and why? Uh, we are using briquettes um, for, to fire up our grill. Um, and actually we are in, we're making a change. We've made kind of a change in the last uh, month or so on what brand we're using. Um, but we want to make sure that we are using something that is going to keep a lot of heat. And for a long time in the SBA, we're having a lot of doubles and triples, um, in one day. And we'd like to be able to kind of keep our grills running for that entire time, um, and not have to empty and reload, um, so are you uh, are you like in in conversations with a potential fuel sponsor or what's your what's the angle there? We are we will be uh, 
be officially announced as a oh. B&B team, B&B charcoal in the next very short Wait time. a second. A Barbecue Central Show exclusive news update. That's right. Greg Rempe reporting here from the breaking news desk in Cleveland, Ohio, as I stated before. The only show breaking all the live fire breaking news when it is breaking across the land and the globe. And Sandy just said she will be announced as a new B&B team. So I'm a huge B&B fan. I mean, it's certainly no surprise that uh, there's a lot of SEA cooks out there that are fans and use B&B charcoal, whether it's on their own dime or whether B&B is sponsoring them. Are you going to be using the briquettes or uh, because you're talking about a lot of heat and then length of burn, are you going to be trying those char logs? Primarily, we'll be using the briquettes. Um, we've been playing around with the char logs a, a little bit and kind of helping start the fire. Um, haven't quite styled those in yet, but it's really the briquettes that we'll be using. I don't know anything, of course, but when I run my Lang, I have found that in between, you know, every couple splits, I toss in three or four char logs and my coal bed remains fully established. I always had trouble with the wood seeming to break down prematurely <laughs> and uh, then my temperatures were never consistent. But as soon as I, uh, well, I moved everything down to the floor and then when I started adding these char logs, it was like, Complete game changer. So, uh, just my own two cents about char logs. I, I love BNB charcoal as well. So, that's your fuel. Are you a product grill grates team or do you use just general grill grates? Uh, we use grill grates. I, I think the majority of the cooks on the SDA circuit do. Um, I know, and I think I heard you talk earlier in the show about the sear. Um, we don't sear. It's, it's, piqued my curiosity and I, I might play around with it not in competition um at this point but yeah well you have um, to do it do. in competition sandy otherwise nobody's gonna uh, here's the you know the fear as we talked about last week is that uh, you know the se not to diverge by the way but the the sea is still you know youngish seven years old but if this was seven years from now when people were just talking about it, I would say, oh, look, I mean, there's just no effing chance. You're 14 years in. People are just locked into how they're doing it. Like you see in competition barbecue, there's very little outside of the box. More because pitmasters probably feel that they will be punished if they decide to give any ounce of creativity over and above what's already winning and that has been winning over the last what appears to be 10 years. So in a different world here in SEA, I think you're running both sides of the fence. You've seen quite a a conformity to a certain degree on what people are using and fuel and grills, the grill grates and uh, how they're doing steaks and what they're doing. And then uh, the diamonds or, or the grill marks, let's just say that for general purposes, almost feel like, uh, I mean, do you feel like if you turned in, turned, if you turned in a steak without grill marks, you would be giving yourself less of a chance to walk away with a championship that day? I don't. I, I think uh, Ken and Brett, the founders and the reps and the judges have really been working hard. They even changed on some of the photos that they use in judging class. And when they talk to the judges before an event, they don't have grill marks. It's actually a raw, a picture of a raw steak inside of a box which you definitely don't want to turn in. Um, <laughs> and we're starting to see and hear more and more people using seared, you know. Um, and a lot of our judges, and, and we have the opportunity to talk to the judges before, comp, after, um, and, and they are open to it. You know, they're, they're not judging if you have grill marks or not, but it's really if you do, are they consistent? Are they appetizing? Same thing with a sear. You know, is, is it a consistent sear? Is it an appetizing um, sear? And a lot of the judges that we that we talk to are, are very open um, and judge each steak on its own merit. So it's your opinion that judges are fairly used to seeing this or, or wouldn't uh, kind of crap their pants at seeing a seared steak outside of maybe expecting grill marks and, and scoring down then you don't think that's going to happen. I, I think within the last 
three months, we're starting to see them more and more um, in the areas that, you know, I'm cooking in kind of in the Midwest. We cooked quite a bit also in Texas. They're seeing those at comps. You know, I know Rusty is, you know, doing it in Arizona. I hear somebody, a couple of other people in the Pacific Northwest is doing it. I think there's somebody down in Florida, a couple of people in Florida that are doing it. So we are seeing it in the different parts. Um, are they going to see them, you know, 50% of the time? I don't know what that rate is, but I do predict we're going to see a lot more of it. And I think it will be nice that there'll be a balance. You know, it might be a seared steak. It might be a, a steak with um, grill marks. All right, Sandy. So uh, you use the grill grates, and at this point you're not searing. We're doing your diamond grill marks, as you had mentioned. What are flip times for you, or do they vary? Um, they will vary depending on the thickness of the steaks, but anywhere between a minute and a half and a minute 45. And then after the flipping takes place, do you rack it uh, and then get to a desired internal temperature or shelf it or whatever you call it? Yeah, we put it on a riser um, that where we and it will sit there until we get to what temp that we want, and then we'll pull it off, um, put it into a foil packet, let it rest to a particular temp that we're looking for, um, and then kind of prep it and get it ready for um, to be put in the box and turned in. So this might sound like a weird question, but depending on the thickness of your steak or depending on how the steak feels to you, like tactily in your hands, will that change the internal temperature that you're going to take it to? Um, not so much how the steak feels. Um, sometimes it has to more deal with what the weather and the humidity level is outside. Um, you know, when you're cooking the steak in Texas and high humidity is a little different than when you're cooking in Wisconsin in minus five plus degrees. Um, the rises are going to be different. The, the length of time it takes to rise will be different. So then the temperatures will be slightly different. Once you get it to the internal temperature and you get it off of the cooker, how do you finish it up, get it in the box and run it over? We kind of, I make sure the natural juices from the steak run down into the spinalis section. Cause that's where the judges will be tasting from. Um, I, take a light brush over it, um, make sure I got any big flakes of seasoning um, are off, my grill marks look good, put it in the box, I make sure I remove my string, my pins, um, and uh, take a picture of it and, and head towards a uh, turn-in. This reminds me, having this conversation with you, uh, then again with Marissa a couple weeks ago, there was a good stretch of handful of years back where competitive barbecuers who were successful it seemed like some of those competitive barbecuers won a contest and then the next weekend they were out doing a tell-all cooking class. Is that something that being an SEA team of the year winner is something that you're looking into or is that not something that you would get down with? Um, we are teaching classes. Um my background outside of cooking, um, I did technical training for 15 years. I, I just, I love training. Um, and I also love learning new things. Um, so that was always a goal when I, we were in FCA and started being um, successful of trying, wanting to teach and really to just help grow the sport. Um, it's one of the fastest growing food sports. We're also seeing a lot more women um, competing in the SCA and I'd like to further that a lot of you know, question you asked like how does a husband and wife cook on the same grill you know to, to kind of talk about some of those techniques um, so we are teaching my husband um, myself and Johnny Joseph the three of us are teaching a class called what it takes to be a winner um, and we're we're kind of hitting the road in different parts of the country and uh, sharing our knowledge about state competitions and a big thing that we try to impart on people is the knowledge and why you do something. 
um, and want people to start thinking about their different steps, their different techniques, and understand why they're doing it, not just do step one, two, three, and four, um, but really understand why and make it their own. Um, so we are teaching. Is there some place you can go right now to see where the agenda is currently or the schedule? Sure. Sure. You could uh, either uh, check out Stress Relief BBQ on Facebook or what it takes to be a winner state class on Facebook or even my personal account, uh, Sandy Bull Brown on Facebook. Um, and we have our class schedule. We're going to be in Tulsa, Oklahoma, Liberty, Texas. Boys, um, Alabama, and actually uh, an hour ago, we posted a new class. At, we're going to the West Coast. We're going to be in Gig Harbor, Washington. Nice. And that's, that's, our, uh, that's our spring schedule. Then we're going to be um, competing in the summer. We're going to compete a little bit in the spring as well, but we'll compete more in the summer, and then we're going to start adding some more classes in the fall. Uh, what's the cost of the class? The class is one ninety five a person. So compared to barbecue class, I mean, it's substantially less expensive. And these are uh, tell all classes, as we like to say. Yep we we give you all of our we give all of our knowledge. There's three of us. Um, like I said, we Tim and I learned from Johnny um, and kind of adapted for our techniques. So you really get three different uh, perspectives of it. Um, and uh, we all have a big passion for the SCA and stakes, and our, our classes are five hours, and we try to tell as much as possible in those five hours. I joke around, if you give us 10, we'd still probably feel rushed <laughs> and still have more to tell, um, but we're really giving people the foundation, and it's nice. We started doing these classes actually before Worlds, um, and we had a number of our students walk the stage, um, and, and that's awesome um, to see. Let me ask you a serious question. If you're winning and you're a team of the year champ to boot, which you are, why bother doing anything that showcases exactly what you do? Why not let these people figure it out for themselves? You know, you can champion SEA, you can be a promoter of SEA and a evangelist of, you know, how great this is for family and married people and women and all this other great stuff. Why not let these people figure it out for themselves and maintain a continued advantage until you decide to, hey, maybe I'm going to hang it up and now I'll tell you everything. Um, I, I, I just want, I want to give back. Um, there's a lot because SEA is growing, there are a lot of different types of classes out there. Kind of when I started, there wasn't, there were a couple of barbecue people that were doing SEA classes, um, kind of as a side note. Um, and then, and so you had to learn on your own and the learning curve was long. You know, you really struggled through stuff. Um, as the SEA is growing, um, there are more people giving classes in different types of forums and settings. And so it's really shortened up the, the learning curve. Um, and again, I, you know, this is a hobby for us. We enjoy it. We have a lot of fun doing it. Um, yes, I am a competitive person, but I get excited when I see my friends, you know, um, getting calls or people that have been to our class and they get their first call that they did. That gives me a lot of joy as well. So just kind of want to share the knowledge. Um, Speaking of being competitive, what's it like living with a guy who finished right behind you in Team of the Year points? I mean, that's got to be a, a very unique dynamic. It is. It is. It's. Uh, we wouldn't. Neither one of us would do it on our own. Um, we're really kind of a, a team and work together and support. Um, we are competitive, um, but we're happy if one one gets a call and the other doesn't. We kind of talk about, you know, drives home after a comp. If we both get called, there's a lot of talking and it's a good drive home. If one of us gets a call and not the other, it might be a little bit quiet for a while. Um, and then usually if neither one of us gets a call, then it's really talkative as well. Um, but it's, 
it's been supportive. Um, you know, we were competitive. My husband always said, though, he would, the goal was always for, for me to be first and him to be second. He would joke around. He goes, if I was ever going to get close to a passing car, I would spit on my steak. Um, but uh, <laughs> a very chivalrous <laughs> gentleman right there or at least talking like yeah. he is yeah yes 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 he is and I, I definitely couldn't have done it you know without his support um and i appreciated that yeah. leading into a competition weekend uh, during the course of the week leading up to it is there any fun smack talk that's going around the uh, brown household you know what? We don't. We really don't. Like, I hear about some of these other couples that have, like, competitive bets on the side and things oh. like that. And we, we joke around, like, we have $1 bets all the time, but it's more of, well, you know, who's right, not necessarily who places higher. Um, we have dollar bills that go from one side of the car to the other. Um, but, uh, no, we don't smack talk each other. I think maybe we do that a little bit more with some of our competitors that we cook with on a regular basis. Look, I want to point out the obvious, but shouldn't Tim be paying you to take one of these classes? I mean, you're team of the year <laughs> champ for crying out loud. Let's be honest. Um, there's a lot that he knows and uh, we, we balance each other out well. Sandy Brown is talking to us and sharing all of her steak secrets. Don't forget, you can Take part in her spring schedule that's over at Stress Relief BBQ on Facebook. And uh, what was the other Facebook page if you want to be the best or if you want to be a winner? <laughs> what what, what it, it takes to be a winner? To be a winner. Yes. Yep. What it takes to be a winner state class. Yep. Uh, so you can go to Facebook and uh, search for either one of those and go ahead and sign up. And again, uh, 195 bucks. So super cheap for five hours and the information that you're getting from those three. Second to none, they are all winners in their own right. Uh, legitimate winners, by the way. And this is Sandy Brown. Sandy, really appreciate you hanging with me once again as we finish it on the phone. We'll, we'll get it figured out at some point. So I uh, appreciate you doing it and continued success. Thanks so much. All right. Thanks for having me on, Greg. You got it. There she is. Sandy Brown from Stress Relief Barbecue. On the phone! <laughs> Greg, you are not... Andrew, you are not the phone. You're not allowed to talk to Sandy on a microphone. So bizarre. I did... I really... We, not me, Sandy and I, but painstaking efforts at 11 o'clock this morning. And I feel... Bad for I made her sit there. You're going to sit here and talk to me whether you want to or not. Make sure this thing works. It was flawless. But my, as my dad always said, nothing good happens after uh, nine o'clock at night. Nothing good. I think it was actually like after 2 a.m. in the morning. But in my world, nothing good happens at, at 9 p.m. Eastern. And I have proof two weeks in a row. But we quickly made the change. And got some great info from Sandy. Again, if you are interested in taking the class, get on over to her Facebook page and sign up. 195 bucks cheap. We will wrap it up. Stick around. We'll be right back. Whole packers, full racks, legs and thighs, injecting butts. If you've never heard this before, you might think you found the best triple X show ever. Let's get back to the most homoerotic host out there today, Craig Rimpy. All right, welcome back. As we get ready to close up shop, this portion brought to you by Vortic Watches, a small batch custom watch manufacturing and vintage restoration company located in northern Colorado. They take Unique American pocket watches and tournament wrist watches, just like this one. Their mission, preserve and enhance the legacy of manufacturing excellence in America. In order to do it, they combine traditional cutting-edge technology to create unique, quality, functional timepieces with exceptional value. Here's the coolest part. Each watch that they make is a unique, one-of-a-kind piece. Vortic founded on the model that America wasn't assembled. It was built. Check out VorticWatches.com, and they are back to doing the watch-a-day but you have to be ready to go. If you if this knocks your socks off, you want to get in, you have to be ready. Just be on their website at noon mountain so you have your best shot at winning. Otherwise, they go in, in minutes. Minutes. 
All the way back in the first hour, we spoke with Ryan from Pits and Spits. Rendezvous coming out quickly. Then we transitioned to Robert F. Moss, talked about mutton, and took Meathead down on his assertion that Katz's is the continuously run-owned barbecue shop in America. And then we ended it with Sandy Brown from Stress Relief. Big show planned for you next week. So be sure to tune in for that. September 11th, 2001. I will never forget. Until next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. This is your program host, Proud US American, Greg Rebby. Good night now! This is Manny Rempe from Cleveland, Ohio. And you're listening to Barbecue Central.